Sup, y'all, and welcome to the third episode of the Press On Sports podcast. Wow, number three already. I'm Jack Vita. I'm your host. Uh, once again, today, we're going to be talking some more college basketball. I promise you this is not just a college basketball podcast, but we're in the thick of March right now. We've got so much to talk about, and I've been teasing an MLB preview for the last couple of weeks. Don't worry, that is coming up next week. Jordan Mordini is going to be here, and it is going to be, it should be a lot of fun. So, without much further ado, I've got our blogger expert now. I'll call him an expert. Evan, are you an expert now? <laughs> I don't know if I'm an expert, man. <laughs> it's Evan Myers. Hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing, Jack? I- I'm good. Uh, it's Hangover Monday, I'd say. <laughs> what a crazy four days we've had. <laughs> yeah, to make myself a little more clear, uh, and let me see if you relate to this, Evan. I have a basketball hangover right now. I'm right with you. <laughs> it was four. It was four days of just nonstop basketball. It was so much fun, and I loved every minute of it. And as much fun as and it, it is relaxing, but it, it does get a little tiring. It can, yeah, it definitely yeah. can. Um, but right now, I'm at a point where I'm ready to go. Bring on Thursday, you know. Let's get this. <laughs> let's get this going again. Yeah, I'm. A, I'm a little. I'm. I'm definitely excited for Thursday, but. Today, I've been taking a little easy. I haven't really gone too deep into sports. I just feel like I've needed a little bit of a break. Right. <laughs> what have, Evan, what have you done today? What have I done? I've gone to class, done a little bit of homework, <laughs> and that's about what it. About, really. Okay, yeah. but have you watched any TV program? No. No? I have not watched any TV. No. Okay. So, yeah, I, I've definitely taken a break from, <laughs> from sports, I'd say. Um yeah, it's it's kind of, you know, had four straight days of just nonstop action, and now it's kind of, you know, get, catch your breath again. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. It's, I've only, I was watching a little bit of Seinfeld earlier, yeah. and if, depending on what time we get finished at, maybe I'll watch a little bit of Monday Night Smackdown wrestling. Ooh, there you go. Yeah, maybe a little <laughs> NBA, we'll see, but definitely is good to uh, just get a little bit of a breather. Definitely, after the crazy four days we had. Evan, how many hours of basketball do you think you watched this weekend? Oh, uh, man. Uh, I, I don't know if I could put a number on yeah, this. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think I could either. <laughs> but it was pretty much all day for you, I would assume. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was probably 11 to 11 yeah. um, every day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they, I'm glad that they take it easy those first two days and they kind of give you a break to eat dinner. Right. They put a break in the middle there. Yeah. It's, it's ideal for getting some food and whatnot. And then Saturday and Sunday are nice too, because they only have, you know, they start you off slower with the first three um, before they get into the evening hours. Yeah. Would you, do you prefer it that way or would you rather have it a little more going on during the day? So that way you could get to bed earlier. Uh, I think I, you know, I'd rather have it probably, I'd always be up for more basketball, um, <laughs> but it was kind of nice to just specify on, you know, watch some of those games closely, Yeah. uh, earlier ones and then, uh, have some craziness at night. Totally. Totally. I'm with you. I think I watched on Saturday evening. I remember being in the same spot on the couch from four o'clock to 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just not really moving other than in, I was near the kitchen. So I was getting some food. Right. And, uh, 
you know, some bathroom breaks, but other than that, <laughs> was just... those la- yeah, those last five games on Saturday all came down to the wire. Oh my gosh, yeah. So I I don't even know where to start, Evan. <laughs> well, you want to talk about the the big one? Yeah, we'll get to okay, we'll get to that, and we gotta talk about it, especially because there was a little bit of Twitter stuff going on with this. Did you see any? Uh, Twitter action in relation to our podcast and the big one. I did see some of that. (laughs) I did. All right. So for those that don't know what we're talking about, Evan, do you want to, do you want to give a quick summary? Yeah. So, uh, we called it. I don't know. We didn't (laughs) quite call it, but (laughs) no, we didn't call it. No, but last week on our, uh, our pre pre bracket show, uh, right after the brackets were revealed, uh, our first game that we actually talked about was Virginia versus UMBC. And uh, what did what did you go on record for saying, Jack? I said that I believe one day a 16 seed is going to beat a one seed. I didn't say that it's going to happen this year. I w- <laughs> and I, I made it clear I'm not making that prediction. But, but if you are looking for interesting one versus 16 matchups, I looked at two of them. I looked at... Penn and Kansas, which actually was pretty interesting, I would say. It was, yeah. And then I, UMBC and Virginia, I'd say it was very interesting. <laughs> and you know, I, I, yeah, I didn't call it either. Um, what I did say was I thought the way that Virginia plays, UMBC could hang in the game for longer, and the final score would look closer than it actually is. Um, I didn't think UMBC would would be playing from a lead, you know, in the lead yeah. in position. I don't and I don't think Virginia, did. I don't think anyone did. And I, and Virginia did not know how to answer that. No, they did not. And the other thing, Evan, I just want to add, I want, I bring, I bring up the Twitter thing because we put up, so I put up a few clips throughout the stuff we, of stuff that we had said over the last two, first two podcasts and just wanting to say, Hey, this was interesting. And this relates to, some of our predictions that we may have made and what we were seeing in the tournament. Yeah. And yeah, we think you put up two or three clips of them. Um, And I mean, you know, there are plenty of things we, we got wrong Um, and we can go over that in a little bit when we go into each other's brackets. But uh, yeah, this was one of them that um, we were both, you know, you were all over uh, KJ Mora and Jarius Lyles and, uh, they're they're heroes forever now in March. Oh, absolutely. Uh, again, we will. I'll, I'll have a little bit more to say about that in a second. I just want to get one thing clear, Evan, and that is, it, it's just funny because I had people texting me saying, "Wow, like that wasn't much of a bold prediction. Like you should have made a more bold prediction." And basically, what I did was I stuck my foot in the pool. But I didn't. I didn't jump into the pool, and I didn't advise anyone else to jump in the pool. No, you didn't. No, <laughs> I was just checking it out. That's all I was doing. Yep. <laughs> but the thing is, is that's not what we want to be. We don't want to be about, hey, here's this hot take that we have. We just want to have smart conversations about the game, and sure. we do. We do give bold predictions, but to say to me, <clears throat> I didn't want to be that guy that says, okay a 16 seed is going to be to one because that in this instance, and that's because it's never happened before. So right. that's insane to do. Yeah. 
No, I think I think what we I don't know. I think what you did was wise. Um, you know, it was it was a game that based on who UMBC had and based on Virginia style of play, um, there were some things that you could go back on and say, sure, this could be a close one. I don't know if it's going to be the one, um, but, uh, you know, it's 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 not like we're just throwing it's not like we're jumping into the pool, like you said. Yeah. Um, so, Yeah. Yeah, and the last thing, the reason that I put those clips on Twitter <clears throat> was not for the purpose of, hey, look how smart we are, look how right <laughs> we are. Essentially, it was just, hey, I thought this was kind of fun conversation we had. It was fun to see how it unfolded. And the goal of it was I want to have more people check out this podcast because I think they would like it. So yeah. that's what we are. We were doing with that. We are pretty smart, though. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes. But all right, I'm I'm ready to go though. I just want to all get right. that out of the way. UMBC though, they made. Is this the biggest upset in the NCAA tournament history, Evan? It's gotta be. I would think so. I mean, it's it's up there with one of the biggest upsets in all of sports. Uh, this is something that hasn't happened in what thirty. How long have 16 seeds have been in for, what, 34 years, I think it is? I'm not Uh, sure. 135 games before this. It had never happened, and UMBC uh, finally breaks that that spell. In the men's tournament, to to be clear. In the men's, yep. I got to give credit to Harvard. 1998. Um, Yep, they did it in the women's one against, was that Stanford? I'm I'm not sure, but... but yeah, I you know I would say it's got to be the biggest upset, and it's one you know no matter how the rest of this tournament plays out, we'll be looking at this for you know thirty years later. We'll be looking back at this tournament and saying this was the tournament that a sixteen seed beat a one. Absolutely, and I think when it's all said and done, that's going to be the most memorable thing about this tournament. Sure. Now, they, they, I could, they could prove do it wrong. A, we'll see. <laughs> they could do a whole section of one shiny moment just for that game. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. Yeah. But, no, I, I agree. It's going to be the one thing that stands out. And it's a game that you are going to remember for the rest of your life where you were when you saw a 16 seed beat a one seed for the first time. Yep. And where was yeah. that for you, Evan? <laughs> so I was over... I was over at a friend's house, actually. Uh, we just got together, had some pizza, um, and we had the game on a, a smaller TV. It was probably, I don't know, 26 inch or so. <laughs> but, you know, it was enough for all of us to witness it. And uh, we, we stopped all that we were doing at about the 15-minute mark in the second half. You know, we had it on in the background, but when we saw that they were up by about 10 uh, with 15 minutes to go, we were we were all focused in on that. And... Uh, yeah, I always remember where I was when I saw that happen. How about you, Jack? Where were you at? Yeah, um, well, that first of all, that sounds fun. It <laughs> was, yeah. <laughs> Second, I was watching the game here at my house. Uh, my sister was here, my sister's boyfriend, my mom, and one of my friends were watching the game. And the TCU, so UMBC started a little bit before TCU. <clears throat> my sister's a freshman at TCU. So she was like, all right, come on. We got to change the channel now. It's TCU time. And I'm like, uh, and I mean, right from the time that game started, I'm not, I didn't believe the whole game. Oh my gosh, they're going to win. But I'm like, this team's fun to watch. This is going to be an interesting game. It's always fun to watch a one seed regardless. So 
it was interesting. So the game starts and then we get close to halftime at the TCU game. We watched pretty much the whole first half of TCU. And mm-hmm. I had the UMBC game on my laptop and I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is insane. <laughs> so at halftime, we switched the, uh, the channel over and then we get, uh, we just got sucked into that game. And my sister was like, I want to watch this game now. <laughs> so we she ended up not seeing as much of the TCU game because she was able to appreciate just how great a sports moment that was. Yeah. That was something else and probably probably a better thing to not watch that TCU game, <laughs> uh, especially being a TCU student. Um but yeah, no, that was definitely that was definitely something that sucked in everyone I think to to focus on that game and uh yeah, we'll remember it forever. So Evan, looking a little deeper, obviously it was a one game thing. I think UMBC, the way that they finished off, like obviously I would have loved to see them go deeper and have a deep run as a 16 seed. But I feel I, I think it was a nice ending for them that they didn't get blown out in their second game. It was nice, yeah. They didn't they didn't perform well from a basketball standpoint. Um, putting up forty three points <laughs> is never a good thing in forty minutes of action. But uh, they played Kansas State real tough in that second round game, just like they played Virginia in the first one. And uh, yeah, I think it's you know it's not the way maybe they wanted it to end, but they still made history, and we will forever remember them. Uh, this squad with KJ Mora and Jarius Lyles. Um, Joe Sherburn and the job that coach Ryan Odom has done. He's going to be a hot name coming up. Yeah. Here. Um, it's definitely a squad that we'll remember forever. I love seeing um, how big the UMBC Twitter handle got over yeah. the course of the game. Whoever's running that handle deserves a race. <laughs> they were awesome. That was great. Yeah. I mean, talk about keeping people intrigued on Twitter and then with the play on the court, they were just kudos to whoever was running that account and it shows how important sports are for these colleges oh it really does yeah I mean and that's the thing we kind of talked about leading into it is you get some of these smaller schools in and a win like this is going to propel them forever I mean people always remember UMBC and um, I'm sure there's going to be t-shirts sold and uh, what this does for I don't know if it does much for recruiting but it's they got they have a name now so yeah. Um, and when we, go ahead. Oh, no, just I was just going to say, having gone to a school with a similar story, obviously, right. not, yeah, not to the degree of awesomeness that UMBC has, but Valparaiso, everyone is like, oh, Valparaiso, Valpo, Bryce Drew, the shot. Hey, they it put the school on the map. Yeah. And that's just great for the university as a whole. Exactly. Yeah, Butler's another one. You know, they yeah. had that run a few years back, and um, that's a school everyone, you know, they went from Horizon League to Big East. So, do you even know what UMBC stands for, Evan? I'm sure you do. <laughs> yeah, University of Maryland, Baltimore County. Yeah. And I I did not know that before, before I watched them last week. Yeah, I, I thought it was uh, I just assumed University of Maryland, Baltimore College. Right. OK. Yeah. yeah. And there are yeah. a lot of people who are like, what, what does that mean? UMBC? <laughs> well, everyone's, you know, they're using it as a, a play, um, you know, 
uh, University of My Brackets Cross. So, uh, you must be Cinderella. I don't know if you saw that headline, <laughs> <No>. but <That's laughs> there's good. a few different plays. Yeah, definitely. People are getting creative with it. So, so Evan, you bring up brackets. How is your bracket hanging in there? <laughs> I still have my champion, but uh, it's it's pretty brutal right now. Um, not gonna lie, the whole left side is is pretty much torn apart. I'm looking at it right now. You were pretty high on Arizona. I was, yep, I was real high on Arizona, and that was, that was a mistake. <laughs> so did you watch Arizona against, uh, against Buffalo? I didn't see that one. I saw the second half, and it was frustrating. They, they just gave up on the floor. It was, it was really frustrating to watch. Um, the last five minutes, they were just throwing up threes, not getting back on defense. Uh, Buffalo had them, so... Yeah, and that was another team that we had mentioned we thought was, hey, they they could provide a good challenge. Right. It made me a little cautious, honestly, uh, cautious of picking Arizona. But you could say the same thing about Kentucky, who I had, which a lot of people like that Davidson-Kentucky matchup. Yeah, that was a hot one. And it was a good game, too. It was a good game. It was right down to the wire, and... uh... You know, everyone that was saying last week how much, you know, Kentucky was underseeded and whatnot. Now, all of a sudden, look at their path. You know, they got uh, a chance to get into the Final Four with two more victories. So, Evan, uh, my bracket, and I'm you have it. You're looking at it, right? I have yours up, yeah. Okay. So, I would say I did pretty average for the first two rounds, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, some of your bold bold picks didn't quite pan out, but uh, you know you still have your final four intact. So yeah, I'm, it's props to you. There's not many people that can say they have every team in their final four left. And they it doesn't look out of reach either, does it? No, I don't think so. We got Kentucky. We've got let's see. I got Gonzaga. I've got Purdue, which is probably the one I have the least amount of faith in. Yeah. And we'll talk about Purdue. And then lastly, I have Duke, who looks pretty strong. Yeah, I think all four, uh, you know, they all have a shot getting there now. We've seen craziness happen. um, So who knows? It it does look like it should happen right now. But we'll see what happens. Evan, um, I want to give a quick scoreboard update of the Press on Sports pool. Yeah. Our standings. I'm going to read the top five names. Go for it. Okay, so in first place, M. Riley is just killing it. She's 99.6 percentile. Oh, way to go, M. Yeah, she her champion is still in there, Texas Tech. Yeah, Texas. Uh, I was thinking she'd pick Yeah, Texas she's Tech. a Red Raider, grad <laughs> school. Uh, in second place, we have the Go Davidson entry from Grant Smith, who is a former Davidson swimmer. <laughs> And did he have Davidson going he had, far? In yeah, that he has Davidson winning. So I don't think he's going <laughs> oh, to win, but his man. bracket's in the 98 percentile. Okay. Third, uh, in tie, also tied in second place, Nate Smith, one of our Carthage pals. He's, uh, yep. also has, he picked Virginia though. So, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fourth place uh, is Connor Ennis, he's got Kansas. And then tied in fifth, we have Spencer Parker and Hannah Schaub, who both have Duke. Okay. And then 
I believe we have about 13 out of 34. So, okay, our 34th place guy forgot to fill out his bracket. Oh, man. <laughs> so I don't know if we should uh, include him in the standings, but uh, so about 13, 12, 13 out of our 33 entries are eliminated with their uh, with their picks. With their champion? Yeah, their champions are out. Wow. And then you and I are tied. Did you know we're tied? Are we tied? Yeah, 22nd place. Oh wow! So, <laughs> and you and you got you got Duke and you have Villanova, so we're both I got alive. Villanova, yeah, we both have our champions still. I normally, but. Evan, I normally, I I don't normally do well the whole way through. I either get the champion right, and well, I've only done that once, but <laughs> I if I if I tend to do well in the early round, I I tend to blow it later. I, yeah, no, I, I I feel like mine always happens like that too. Um, yeah, usually if I do well in the first round, it's it's a sign that I'm not going to do well later on for whatever reason. So we've got a bunch of headlines here that we're going to read you through. We keep talking about crush brackets. Really, how surprised are you by everything so far, Evan? Um, okay, I have to say I'm surprised. Yeah, um, <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Anytime that you've got, you know, you got one whole side of the bracket that's going to send at least, you know, a three-seater or higher to the championship, um, I, I'm surprised by that. Um, but, you know, and I guess I'm not going to say I'm a know-it-all or anything, but I was saying this year that there are no great teams. Yeah. And um, it, it sh- it's shown so far. I mean, there's still some teams alive, but we've got – you know, three big time, four big time schools, I guess, out now. And, uh, and yeah, so I, you know, I'm, I'm definitely surprised. We've got um, a 5-9 matchup, a 7-11 matchup, a 9-4 matchup, all in the Sweet 16. And uh, that doesn't happen every year. So it's definitely been a shocking tournament. And outside of, actually, I'll ask you this question in a second. One last thing I want to say about UMBC is and we we touched we briefly touched on this for a second. Is this the biggest upset in sports history? Uh, I'm gonna say I don't think it's the biggest. Okay. Um, I don't know. I still take a certain hockey game over this one. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> um, here's. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. All right. Yeah. So here's. I think you really have to differentiate it when you ask this question. You have to say this is in terms of team sports in intercollegiates or Division One, because uh, I mean there are all kinds of upsets in D three that we may never know about in right. high school, uh, and in, in the pros it's different because, like we talk about, hey, what about the Patriots against the Giants in the Super Bowl? Well, they have the same salary cap. Mm-hmm. So that's a good point. Yeah. In college, though, I mean, these are teams with totally different student enrollment sizes. They have different amounts of money, facilities, all that, and they're at a, such a severe disadvantage. Yeah, I agree. And um, yeah, I mean, you got UMBC going against Virginia, one team playing in the ACC and the other playing in the America East. Yeah. So. 
uh, just conference wise there. And then obviously you said enrollment, um, how much each school has allotted for athletic money, um, you know, the stadium they play in and everything. So I think, yeah, you have to almost set up some parameters when talking about it. Um, but it's definitely, I mean, it's definitely up there Yeah. if it's not number one. Yeah. Because, and also you have individual sports, it's right. very different. And then Olympic sports is very different, international competition. So I wouldn't, I'm with you, Evan. I wouldn't go all the way to say it's the biggest, but is it, it it's definitely the biggest I can think of in college sports in my lifetime. I agree. I think I'm yes. aware of. I agree. Yeah, it's, it's probably the biggest in college sports. And I don't know if there has to be necessarily a clear cut biggest yeah. upset. Um, I think you know, like you were saying, each one can kind of have its own place almost. So, um, yeah, but this one's definitely, without a doubt, one of the biggest, I'd say it's the biggest in my lifetime that I can remember. And, you know, when when looking back on it, we'll always remember this one. The other one that I think compares to it from college football, you know where I'm going with this? I, I'm not sure. Appalachian State over Oh, okay. Yeah. So this was a, I thought about this a little bit. This was a Michigan team that was coming off. I believe they were the third wheel. They didn't get into the national championship game the year before that, when it was Michigan and Ohio State one and two the whole year. They Mm -hmm. put Florida in the national title game. I believe Michigan had a lot of seniors coming back. Michael Hart was a guy that was a running back who, a lot of people thought was going to be a star in the NFL. I'm pretty sure Chad Henney was still there. And so that team came back and they had uh, super high expectations for that season. And the week one, it all got shattered and they lost to division two Appalachian state team. Craziness. Yeah. (laughs) So we, all right, we need to get back to this though. Lastly on UMBC, Evan, I feel like, you can tell me if I'm wrong here. Now that it's happened, I feel like the gate has been opened up and we're going to see, I, w- I really would not be surprised if we saw 16 seeds winning like two, two times over the next four years. It could happen. Yeah. Um, it really could. I think, you know, one thing now is it started happening more with 15s over twos in the past few years. And now two seeds have to be on guard for that. And I think now that it's happened, Every one seed has to have that in their mind that we can't be that team that gets beaten by a 16 because it's happened now, like you said. So um, UMBC has kind of, you know, they've laid the the track, so to speak, for future 16 seeds to to do damage. And now that the door has been opened, um, it's not outside of the realm of possibility. Does this tell you anything, Evan, about the state of college basketball in 2018? In terms yeah. of co- competitiveness across conferences, it's 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 more wide open now than it ever has been. Um, and you know, I one one thought about it that I hadn't considered is um, the transferring between different yeah. schools. You've got a lot of guys, Darius Lyle, so to speak. Yeah, um, he was at VCU. Shaka Smart recruited him. He played their freshman year, and all of a sudden, he ends up at UMBC averages over 18 points for his last three seasons and uh 
you know, he, he does this. And I think with more and more guys transferring, trying to find the right spot. And uh, I think Clark Kellogg was touching on that. I think that's where I heard that take from. Um, but, you know, he was exactly right. You got more guys transferring now. And, uh, you know, a lot of these a lot of these big recruits are trying to find different teams that they want to play on that give them a nice fit. I think that um, the state of college basketball is is more wide open now than it ever has been. Yeah, I I'm with you. I think I think a lot of these programs are catching up transfers. I hadn't thought much about that. Yeah. But I have to ask you, Evan, about Jairus Lyles. You bring him up. I asked you about him last week. Is he on your radar for the NBA draft anywhere? If he is, he's going to be a late second round pick. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I think uh, with his with his play, he's definitely he has to get some attention. Now. He should. Um, yeah, I mean he's he's a ball player, and uh, I'm not going to lie, he was the best player on the floor. He was in the that best Virginia yeah. UNBC game. He was the he best was the, player on the floor, and he was game. the best player. Yeah, he was the only guy on the floor that could put the ball on the ground and get a bucket. You know what I was really impressed with that I, I mean I I don't watch a lot of America East, but <laughs> his passing skills are really nice. Yeah, that's an underrated part of his game, but yeah. Yeah. So uh, he's he's a nice player and yeah, I think he finished with close to 30 in that game and um he disappeared a little bit in that K-State game, but that was just, you know, not a great showing offensively from them, but or I would from say their opponents or from their opponents. Good point. Yeah. Good point. But um, yeah, I'd say he's got to get some attention somewhere now. All right. I I'm with you. I am in on Jairus Lyles. I hope he gets a chance at the next level. I'm sure he will. It, but let's move on, Evan. So we talked about shocking <laughs> stuff that shocked <laughs> you. Yeah. The thing that shocked me the most and this this may differ from you outside of UMBC was Nevada. Oh my goodness, what a game that was! Coming back from twenty two with yeah. ten minutes to go, yeah, for as a seven seed from a smaller conference, man, that was that was an amazing game. That was an amazing one, and not to not to discredit their comeback against Cincinnati, but they had another one against Texas the, yeah. two days before, I think. You know, they're only down seven or nine in that one, but they forced overtime. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, coming back against Cincinnati, I feel like this is a story people are glossing over a little bit. Um, they were down 22 points <laughs> with just under 11 minutes to play, and they came back and won the game. I mean, how crazy is that? Yeah, it was great. And you were thinking about picking Nevada. but I was. You changed your mind at the last second? Last second, I changed my mind. I didn't think Nevada had enough players to keep up with Cincinnati. Um, they only played six, yeah. which is crazy. <laughs> so uh, I thought maybe foul troubles would get to them. And uh, Cincinnati's obviously a much deeper team, but they pulled it off. Yeah, that was great. And I think, too, that's another one where Nevada had the better players on the floor. I'm not disagreeing there. I think they had the better scores and the the better players. And I had the upset. You had Nevada? Yep, I did. If you're looking hey. at my bracket. Yes, I got it up. You're right. You have Nevada. To be fair, I was waffling on this one all week. And I actually, when I was looking at my bracket, I'm like, oh my gosh, I have, I have Nevada winning this game? Like, <laughs> 
I couldn't believe it myself. So I, I very lucky, very fortunate. Yeah. Great pick. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Way to go. <laughs> but all right. So this is connected to the next biggest headline. I would say you and I, I think would agree on this. So yep. They will meet in the sweet 16, the Loyola Ramblers. Hey, who shy town. Hey, they had back to back games. They want on game winners. Does it get better than that? It's hard to beat that as an 11 seed. That's just wild. It was great. Sister Jean. Sister Jean. Oh, yes. She is a <laughs> What a story character. she's become. I love that yeah. she says that she had them in her Sweet 16, but she doesn't have them winning in the Sweet 16. Right. <laughs> <laughs> she had them losing to Cincinnati. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Now they're all out to prove fun. And I could connect this back to Valpo if I'm being selfish here, but yeah. I know I have some Valpo friends who listen to this podcast. There was a lot of talk about is Valpo moving up, going from the Horizon League to the Missouri Valley. And I Tennessee played a team from the Horizon League, and they played a team from the Missouri Valley. And the Horizon League team, they beat by 25 points or so. Yeah. Which that was one I was way off on. I had an upset there. But then yeah. Tennessee lost to the Missouri Valley Conference team. Right. So and and how interesting too that last year's Missouri Valley um, participant, Wichita State, is out in this year's oh, first yeah. round. <laughs> Man, it do I think I really feel like Missouri Valley really benefited from Wichita State leaving. I think so. It was a very competitive conference this year. And if let's say, let's say. Wichita State was still in the conference. Let's assume they won the conference tournament. Mm-hmm. Loyola is very likely snubbed from. Yep. Being it would have been like I, Illinois State last exactly. year. Exactly. That's exactly yep. what I was thinking. And now you have to wonder what could have Illinois State done last year if they had gotten in. Exactly. So yep. I think that that worked out really well for everyone involved. Worked out really well for the American to get Wichita State. Yep. And for the Missouri Valley as a whole. Yeah, definitely. So, do you have any other thoughts you want to throw in there on Loyola? About Loyola? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I mean, it's crazy. You know, we talked about the idea of a Nevada-Loyola Sweet 16 game last week. And, um, you know, at the time it was a 7 versus 11. Um, Who knows? But now we've got it. You predicted it. (laughs) Um, And... (laughs) It should be a fun one. One of these two teams are going to make it to the Elite Eight. And have a chance to be in the Final yep. Four. Yep. Yeah. It's Man, it is madness, isn't it? It's Yeah, it's March. It's crazy. So then the next thing that shocked us the most was your, sadly, this is a somber one, your North Carolina Tar Heels. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm giving brutal. this one over to you, Evan. You can say whatever you want just frustrating game. Um, I don't know if you watched any of it. Yeah, I saw the whole second half. The thing that bothers me so much is A&M was in a 2-3 zone. And, you you know, I'm all for, you know, playing to your strengths, doing what you need to, um, you know, playing at the best that to what got you to where you're at now. But 
they would not stop shooting threes <laughs> against the two three zone. And you know, the basketball player in me comes out and says, there's different ways to be a two three zone than just shooting deep threes. And they didn't seem to get that. They went six for 31 from behind the arc, which is just brutal. And uh, I was really shocked that a coach, you know, and maybe he was trying to do something different, but I'm, I'm shocked Roy Williams did not try to switch things up um, when A&M was just dominating them defensively and offensively too. Yeah, and if correct me if I'm wrong, but Syracuse was also running a 2-3 zone yesterday. Too. They were, and we saw the exact same thing <laughs> happen to Michigan State. <laughs> and right. I'm going to give credit to Rich Eisen on this one. I was listening to a show today. I love Rich Eisen. He's great. Yeah. Yeah. You like Rich Eisen? Yeah, he's the man. Yeah. I like Rich Eisen. He's awesome. So if you guys haven't, he's got a great radio show in the afternoon. I was listening on XM today as I was driving, and he was talking about how there's that little 10-foot shot that's just open for you, and Michigan yeah. State did not want to take it. No. And, you know, one thing that Michigan State had that North Carolina doesn't have is they had big men. And, you know, that was one that was another frustrating thing about North Carolina this year that Sterling Manley and uh, Garrison Brooks just did not step up to the level we thought they would. Um, but Michigan State has, you know, Jaron Jackson, who's going to be a, a lottery pick, Nick Ward, who's been a solid player, and then Bridges can also play big. And they just didn't seem to utilize any of them and kept settling for deep threes. Yeah. Yep. And, and it's, it's, it's just frustrating. It was really frustrating to watch that, you know, if something is not working, you need to be able to adapt on the fly. And we've seen it out of those two teams and then Virginia, too. Um, they, it was not, their, their pace was not working against UMBC. Um, I don't think they necessarily know how to play fast just because they never have had to trail to yeah. come back. Um, but that's another thing is that, you know, you need to be able to adapt in these games. And, um, yeah, it, it, we've seen it a few times now. Evan, I, we, both of us were a little cautious about Michigan State, so I wasn't super shocked by that, especially considering Syracuse, if you let him into the tournament, Bayheim is, <laughs> he's a really good coach, and they find ways to win the same way that some of these other teams that may not be as talented find ways to win. However, the North Carolina thing really stunned me, especially considering how many seniors they have on their team. Right. Yeah. They've got a number of guys, Luke May and Theo Pinson being the two that play the most. And uh, yeah, that one, that one surprised me. Now, granted, um, Texas A&M was a top 25 team in the preseason and they did reach top 10 in December, but they've had a number of injuries, a number of suspensions. Um, they nearly fell out of the picture in this in this tournament, I thought. And, uh, you know, they were able to do enough and they've they've won two games now. Going back to. North Carolina. So I, for me to see a team make those mistakes like Michigan State, who's a little younger, a little more inexperienced, that's not as big a surprise, even though they have Izzo and whatnot. But North Carolina, this is a team that's super experienced, went to the Final Four the last two years, won a championship, went to the championship game the last two years, won a championship. So that that was definitely a big Big I, I, I need to correct myself too. Luke May is not a senior. Joel Berry is. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Messed up on that. Yep. Yeah. Um, is it, so yeah. Is North Carolina's window, is it up? 
they'll be fine, I think. Okay. Um, I, yeah, I think they'll be fine. They've got some guys coming in next year. Um, I think his name's Nas Little. Um, he'll be a nice player. Um, I'm talking. I don't think championship deep run window. It'll be interesting these next few years because they've. I think they've made the Sweet 16 the last four years, and they've you know been right in contention all four of those years. Um, so they might take a step back for for a year or two, but they've got Roy Williams and it's North Carolina. I would you know I'm, I'm still not going to count them out. Right. Yeah. I just I remember they they it seemed like they dipped for a little bit in between. I believe when uh, James Michael McAdoo was yeah yeah in Barnes those they had those teams mm-hmm. Kendall Marshall yeah and then in yeah. between. Between that and what we've seen now, there was a little bit of a dip, wasn't there? There seemed to be a little bit, yeah. But, hey, you could have it a lot worse. You could be a Northwestern fan. <laughs> right. So, uh, still a brutal loss. Yeah, man. I'm sorry for you, Evan, but, hey, yeah. at least you got a ring to speak of. And <laughs> plenty plenty more rings in the past, and I'm, yeah. certain, I'm sure that they'll win some more in the future. I'm happy my boy Justin Jackson got one last year. Yeah, that was that was a great team. That was a fun one. So, all right, let's talk about the other big name to go down, which this was a game that I wasn't watching as closely. I think it was because I was just getting so tired. And that <laughs> was last night's Xavier-Florida State game. What did you see there, Evan? What happened? That was a crazy one. Um Florida State kept it close enough at the end, and they they were able to uh, to exploit it at the right time. And uh, I think Xavier got a little careless with the ball there. Um, JP Makura fouled out, which was huge for Florida State. Um, getting getting him out of the game, he's one of their best players. But yeah, Florida State's a team that they were a solid a solid squad last year. Um, lost Wayne Bacon to the NBA. And uh, but this year they've got Brian Angola and Terrence Mann who have both just put the team on their back. And uh, Xavier made some really stupid plays at the end of the game. Um, I'm, I don't want to get on them too much, but just just boneheaded decisions. I just did not understand um, fouling with you know after letting uh, 15 seconds off of the clock. Either at that point you either got to let the possession play out or foul them at the beginning of the possession. Um, and then taking a three, I, you know, you've seen so many times in this tournament, teams are down two or three points and they think they have to shoot a three, um, in college basketball, I would be attacking the rim every time and putting yeah. another guy on the line, especially with free throw shooting, not nearly the level of, you know, NBA talent. So, um, just a couple questionable mistakes there, uh, Florida state deserved to win that one. I thought. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see them moving on and playing again on Thursday. Evan, did you say Terrence Mann? Yes, Terrence Mann. That's his name. Yes. On Florida State. <laughs> Florida State, yep. That, do you know who Terrence Mann is? Yes, I do. <laughs> the other Terrence Mann? Yep. Field of Dreams? Yep. <laughs> I, I, went, I was like, whoa, wait. Yep. <laughs> so yep. I was looking that one up. I'm like, that's his name, right? James Earl Jones. That is his name. That's a great yep. name to have. It is. But yeah, I I saw that last possession. So what was Xavier down? Like two when they had a chance to one or two, and they settled for the Cantor three. 
Yeah, Kareem Cantor's three. Yeah. Um, I think they were down. I, they might have been down three because they ended up winning by five. Um, let me see if I can find that play by play. But yeah, I mean, it was just frustrating to see that. I don't know if you saw the foul before that too. Um, just super frustrating. I I yeah. don't understand yeah, the, just the decision making there. Yeah. Uh, if you're gonna if you're gonna go into the shot clock, you need to let it play out. So, um, yeah, Cantor, so Cantor shot the three when they were down three. Um, okay. And they, they so, basically just gave them that shot, which was great play on Florida state. Spark. Yeah. And he airballed it. Yeah. And if you, so, okay. So cancer played at green Bay for the last two years prior to this one. And they played Valpro several, several times. And I got to see him just grow and develop as a player. And, man, he has really stepped it up each year. He's really evolved rapidly each year. Where two years ago, I don't, I'm don't, i pretty sure he wasn't starting consistently. And now, wow. Yeah, and he was playing some big minutes. He had some big plays down the stretch there for Xavier, who's a one seed. Yeah. And so I, I felt bad for him because that's not his shot in Evan, I looked this up earlier. Do you know how many threes in a game is the most cancer hit this year? I'm not sure off the top of my head. Two. Wow. So, yeah, he's yeah. he he's capable of shooting. He, he has a little bit of a shot, but he's not – that's not the guy you want taking that shot. And he knew it no. as he was pulling up. It was sad. Yeah. And, you know, the guy they wanted taking that shot was Trayvon Blewett. And he was just, I don't know where he was. He was just disappeared in the game. Um, He finished with eight points, only shot the ball eight times. And he's a guy that was putting up close to 20 a game for them this year. Uh, You know, I I don't know what was going on there, but I feel like he's the guy that that should take that last shot for them. You know who I was wondering? Where where was Bill Murray last night? Yeah, where was Bill Murray? (laughs) Need a little bit of that. Magic I was thinking like he won. It was something with Space Jam where he finally gets his moment in there. And he gets the shot. <laughs> oh man! But he and he doesn't play defense. Remember that, right? But yeah. he disappeared too. He did. Yeah, they needed him for a key assist. Hey Evan, it was really funny. I was watching these old one shining moment videos. And I was looking at an old one. He was. I saw him front row for a Final Four team. It, this was about 12, 13 years ago, and it was a different team from Xavier. Do you know mm. what I'm talking about? No, I'm not so sure. You, okay. Yeah, I was completely shocked. He was there for the Illinois Final Four. Oh, no way. Yeah. Wow. So he seems to just get into it about yeah. whatever, whatever school he has a connection to. But you got to love <laughs> good, him anyway. Good for him. Oh, yeah. He's, he's awesome. Yeah, he's great. And I'm sure he's probably out on a golf course some right now having some yep. fun. <laughs> <laughs> Doing what Bill Murray, Bill Murray does. <laughs> One day my aunt will come on this podcast and she played on the LPGA Tour and she'll have stories about playing golf with Bill Murray because she played with him one time. And oh, wow. I think that'll be fun for people to listen to. Yeah, that's that's definitely – there's got to be some stories there. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so – Bill Murray doesn't show up. Neither does Xavier. 
Anything else you have on this game? I, I, I texted you. I thought it was pretty fun. That post-game interview was pretty fun with all yeah. the Florida State guys. All the guys ran over. Yeah, that was cool. And um, you love you love to see the excitement out of them, you know. That looked like a shot that will be in one shining moment. Uh, for sure, yeah, I'm sure of it. And they all had their arms around each other, and it was – some of those guys in the back, I'm like, are they even players? Like, who are those guys <laughs> with the shirts on? Are they students? Right. <laughs> were they players, Evan? Uh, I, I could. I mean, there were a lot of people in the frame. <laughs> I, I didn't see everyone. They um, may have been managers. It could have been. It could have been managers, yeah. yeah. So that was great. Yeah, yeah what a cool mo- moment for them. Yeah, they seemed like a bunch of really cool guys. And they're going to be fun looking looking ahead at. They will. They're a tough out moving forward. All right, so we got to talk about the other one that this was an upset that you and I, okay, so you and I, I don't know if we call it an upset, but you and I were both pretty high on Houston coming into this tournament. Yeah. Oh, I loved Houston. I really did. Um, Rob Gray is the man. I, I really like Rob Gray's game, and um, he, he showed up. You know, he put up yeah. 61 points in two games, which uh, I didn't realize was a stat, but they said it was the, the most points combined in the first two games since Steph Curry did, did wow. it. In yeah. So uh, there's a little, a little tidbit for you, but yeah, um, this was a, it was a great game between Houston and Michigan closed out Saturday night pretty well. And uh, yeah. Do you want to touch on it a little bit? Yeah. Um, I had something I was going to say about Houston real quick. Oh yeah. Just that. I think we were in agreement that this was a potential Final Four dark horse, weren't we? I thought so, yeah, definitely. And especially seeing how North Carolina got knocked out. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. They, they could have been right there. They could have. Yeah, and it makes me that much more upset that they weren't able to get past Michigan. Um, because, yeah, I think they could have been a Final Four team, and I think I really think the nation deserved more Rob Gray. I don't know about you, but I loved watching him play. Yeah, and they had some great storylines. They were an exciting team. And yeah. it's kind of funny that this is – I have a little list here of what we were trying to hit with this podcast with just the big headlines coming out of the weekend and that this is number six considering <laughs> – Right. But it was the biggest shot that we've had in the tournament in yeah. probably since uh, Villanova shot two years ago, right? Probably, yeah, yeah, and I mean, yeah, gotta give credit to the to the Milwaukee boy Jordan Poole. Uh, what a shot that was! And uh, I don't know if you saw it; it looked like he got fouled on the shot too. Yeah, it uh, did. And it <laughs> the wasn't dude closed out and took out all of his landing space, and uh, I think he got hit. So it, there may have been a little bit on the wrist too. Yeah, I think so. So it wasn't one that was, of those. That was a deep shot. Yeah, it was very. That was deeper than NBA three. That was like yeah. from the hash mark. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that was a real. The degree of difficulty on that shot was an eleven out of ten. Definitely, and I, I got to give credit too to uh, Muhammad Ali Abdul Rahman for being very patient on that yeah. play. I think everyone thought he was going to be the guy to shoot it, and it almost looked like he was going to pull up a little too soon. Uh, but he, you know, that's one thing you can't teach is instinct. And he had the instinct to know, okay, we've got whatever, 3.6 seconds on the clock. I've got this many dribbles to get it up here and I can pass the ball. And he dished it off beautifully a pool and pool sank the shot. Yeah. And he got it out of his hand at the right time. He didn't yep. wait any longer. He put it up real quick. 
And man, and the excitement that he had on that shot, that was, we, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about how we think, how we feel a little bit about Michigan, but the excitement from him, my mom compared it to uh, Carl Edwards Jr. running around with the W flag. Yeah. <laughs> he looked like just an, like you could tell that he was a freshman and that was a year ago. He was at his high school prom and right. I, I like how you just saw the raw emotion from that. And on the flip right. side of that, you saw the raw emotion from Houston with these players crying. And even though it's, it's hard to see that sometimes that's, what we love about this tournament is just seeing how much passion these guys play with and how they leave it all on the line. Yeah. And, and, you know, you mentioned prom last year. The crazy thing too, is he hit, and I didn't realize this, but he hit a a very similar three pointer last year in high school. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, he's, he's a big, he's a big time guy, uh, you know, big shot maker and, uh, yeah, Michigan's moving on. Is that out on YouTube? somewhere i'm i think it is yeah okay um yeah i can check for that so that that'll be a fun one for you guys to look up if you're listening to this podcast yeah so um and i think i think it was wagner too that said after the game that uh that he'll never he'll never stop talking about this one yeah and the crazy thing is again this is like the sixth biggest storyline from the yeah. whole weekend so. <laughs> this one kind of got buried a little bit but yeah. it, it needs the attention you know it was it was as big as the other one so so we got this big moment from jordan Poole, and it was great and it was awesome my one question is and uh, michigan fans i know you're listening i'm not hating on your team but just how cool and exciting houston was were we a little bit was it worth it to trade the big shot in exchange for Houston's elimination. I mean, you know, my answer. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I really liked Houston. It makes it, it makes me even more upset now as a fan of North Carolina. They're not in it because of, I think they could have gone far. Yeah. Um, you know, I've said it before. I like Rob Gray. Um, I texted you too and said, I liked a little bit that they were kind of uh, the outcasts almost. Yeah. You know, Rob Gray. I don't know if anyone remembers, but earlier this year, he was the guy that got suspended. Um, I think it was just one or two games, but he got suspended for playing in a church rec league game over the summer by the NCAA. Um, so kind of a dumb rule there, in my yeah. opinion. And then you got you got uh, Kelvin Sampson. Yeah. <laughs> uh, basically ousted at, at uh, Indiana. And, uh, you know, these guys were kind of on their second and third legs. Rob Gray is going to be 24 in April. Um, he transferred from a JUCO school. Uh, so, I, you know, I, I liked that underdog kind of factor, gritty, you know, where we don't really care what anyone else thinks about us. We're just going to go out there and play. Um, so I'm going to miss that looking forward at the tournament. But uh, Michigan shot was big time. Um, and, you know, they're moving on. Uh, I don't know. They, they were a little frustrating. I don't know if I don't know if either team really deserved to win. Houston didn't make their free throws. Michigan shot 34% from the field. Um, but like you said, it's survive and advance at this point, and uh, they're moving on. Yeah, my my one thing is I wonder, are we a little bit deprived of just seeing a really cool Houston team? However, given all the other crazy stuff we have going on in March Madness, I think we'll be okay without them. I think we'll be all right, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, like I said, I'm going to miss – 
I think that I think the whole country deserved more Rob Gray. I'm just gonna say that. Yeah. <laughs> I really like watching him yeah. play. I hope he gets a shot at the next level. Um, and yeah, Houston basketball in general, they haven't been. I, you know, I think this is a big thing. Rob Gray even said it before the tournament that this them making the tournament this year. I mean, just making yeah. it is huge for Houston basketball. They hadn't made the tournament since 2010, and they hadn't gone far since 1984. Yeah. They hadn't moved past the first round since 84. Slamma Jamma. That was by Slamma Jamma. So they've, you know, they've been a program that just kind of disappeared for a while, and hopefully they're back on the map now. So this is we're gonna go back to something where I was wrong on, and I I was pushing this Montana Michigan upset. Yeah, yeah, and I I the way I thought of it was, hey, this is a team that Michigan was just cooking at the right time, running off momentum, and now they have to sit for two weeks. And Montana, I had a lot higher hopes for Montana. I thought they were pretty good mid-major. I thought they were going to be really hungry. And I saw a potential upset there. And it was there for them. They just didn't – Montana played worse than Michigan did in that game. It was. And I don't, I don't know if you could say either team played well. Yeah. Um, there was definitely the chance for Montana to get into that one, and they just never really took advantage of it. Um, you know, Michigan's defense was, was pretty brutal on Montana. Um but yeah, you know, I know you were high on the on the Grizzlies and thought that that could have been an upset. I only had them winning that game. I had Houston yeah. advancing the Sweet 16, and I, as I mentioned, I thought Houston could be a dark horse Final Four team. Another team that disappoint, well, somewhat disappointed me. I thought was a super dark horse Final Four team was Creighton. Yeah, you were high on Creighton. Yeah, yeah, you were high on them. I remember that. Um, yeah, I didn't, I, I didn't get a chance to watch much of that Creighton Kansas state game. So I, I can't talk too much on that, but, um, yeah, I was surprised by them. Um, I don't know if you had Seton hall. I had Seton hall no. in Kansas. Yeah. Yeah. That was um, close. It was a close game. Yeah. And I, um, I had a feeling with, you know, uh, as a boot, as a Buki injured a little bit on Kansas that angel Delgado was going to have a huge game. And sure enough, he goes off for 25 <laughs> and 24 or whatever he did um just you know tore it up but uh yeah Kansas was just a little too much for them in that one so Evan what is the most wrong thing in my bracket what's the crazy what's the dumbest thing I did in my bracket (laughs) the dumbest thing that you did uh I would probably say taking St. Bonnie's (laughs) to (laughs) to the what is that the sweet 16 yeah Taking them, you had Wichita State in that one too. Um, I mean, that's that's a tough one to say that's dumbest thing, but yeah. I'd say that. I mean, you got all your Final Four teams like we talked about before, so um, probably that one is is probably your worst mistake. But if that's your worst mistake, that's that's really not that bad. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could also point to some of those early round upsets that I was uh, <laughs> forecasting. <laughs> right, State over Tennessee. <laughs> That one didn't quite work. Montana out. game was there. It could have happened. It could we have. We both yeah. had South Dakota State over Ohio State. And that was a close one for yeah. a while. But uh yeah. yeah, I had that one. That was uh the Jackrabbits were fun to watch because I liked seeing how they just came down and shot really quickly. And they mm-hmm. they trapped Ohio State into playing that way. So Ohio yeah. State was shooting a bunch of 
deep threes. Like they weren't even shooting. They weren't even shooting just regular threes. These were NBA threes that they were shooting. And right. <laughs> Coach Holtman's like, yeah. stop. Like, <laughs> Yeah, they, they definitely dictated the pace there for a while. And I think they finally got out of it. But, uh, yeah, you know, I, I liked watching uh, Mike Dom play. I don't know if you yeah, focused too much on him, him, but yeah, he, was, he was a beast. Yeah, yeah. really good. Uh, he, yeah, he's been tearing up the summit the whole season. So it was good to see him get a little bit of a national spotlight. Um, but, yeah, just, just not enough to compete with Ohio State. Another one that we, we were – neither of us were high on Ohio State. We both had them lo- – well, we yeah, we both had them losing – they ended up yeah. getting bounced. They played Gonzaga pretty well. But, yeah, so we have, what, two Big Ten teams left? Two Big Ten teams left, yep. Yeah, and my predi- yeah. I predicted that Purdue would be the last one standing. It's not looking too great for Purdue moving forward. But, hey, they also survived in advance. They did. They did. So you want, you want to take a shot at my bracket? Uh, yeah. If I took one at yours. <laughs> sure. Um, well, do you want to talk about Purdue for a second? Because did you see Yeah, the, we could. Did you see the game yesterday? I didn't see it. I, did, I just saw a little bit of it. I did not watch too much of that. But that was another very close game. Yeah. Butler was in that game. They were leading late down the stretch, I believe. Um, and I, I, you know, we all know about Isaac Haas. Um, just a yeah. tough break a tough break, you know, such yeah. a big year for Purdue and they lose him and he still wanted to play, which is, which is just crazy. But, um, Evan, yeah, I know sir. you, you've been following this closer yeah. than I have. Is there any chance of him getting in there for the sweet 16? I don't think so. I, I'm pretty sure the NCAA didn't allow the Gronkowski type elbow brace that he wants to wear. Um, and I, you know, I don't know if you saw any video of it, but I'm, I'm just talking, this thing's massive. Um, <laughs> he wants to wear on his elbow and I don't think it's, you know, four days or whatever away from their next game. I don't think it's going to get any better where he can, you know, shed that brace. Um, I don't think he's going to play. Do you have hope for Purdue still? Uh, I think they're losing this next game. Okay. I actually had Texas tech winning, um, this next I didn't have Purdue this far but I you had, had Arkansas Tech. I did have Arkansas yeah. and that did not work out <laughs> another one uh but yeah I think Texas Tech will do it um but yeah Purdue I mean they've they they stepped up their scoring their three-point shooting was brilliant I mean they shot 46 percent from the field from deep um so I you know it's anything can happen survive in advance like you said and We'll we'll see what's what's going to happen moving forward. So if you let me ask you this, Jack, if you could change your Purdue, your Purdue pick, would you right now? Ooh, man, that's tough. <laughs> this is where you might see a little bit of Midwestern or Northwest Indiana bias from me. Yeah. Um, but I I maybe it's just that I want to see Purdue do well. I, I personally have not watched Texas Tech a whole lot. Mm-hmm. I th- I think that I I guess if if you were saying from the Sweet 16, I would go Villanova. Okay. Personally, yeah. Yeah. If I could pick one of those four teams in the region, mm-hmm. I had Villanova losing to Wichita State. They could still lose. I think that'll be an interesting game with West Virginia. But I do think Purdue has hope. I like I like the way Carson Edwards is playing. He's a big time player. 
And I think the thing I've been saying about Purdue is that even without Haas, they're just a really well-oiled machine and they play really well together, in my opinion. I think Harms, I didn't get to see a whole lot of him other than the clips of him uh, fixing up his hair. <laughs> Which, hey, if I had that hair, I'd be doing the same thing. Yeah, he's got a nice do. Evan, I, I think I do the same thing when I play basketball. What's that? Fix your hair like yeah. that? <laughs> oh, I do wear the hairband, so. Right, you do you do sport that. Yeah, if I'm we- if I'm not wearing the hairband, I'm normally fixing my hair. <laughs> Part of it is if you have long hair, which I sometimes do, um, so it it kind of flops around and it's not I don't really think it's as much a habit of, oh, I want to look good as the way that people may say, like they might think that that's what's going on. You just kind of want to get it out of the way so it's not in your eyes or anything. Exactly. Yep. So the headband. Look up Nathan Adrian, West Virginia. (laughs) He had some nice hair. Oh, I saw that guy. (laughs) And then there was also that guy at Texas, too. Yep. (laughs) Ositkowski. Yep. Yeah. And then we, okay, I got to bring up him again, but how about Rob Gray's man bun? Oh, yeah. And I, I yeah. love the fact that his, uh, that his little brother was, yeah. he looked like he wanted to be just like him. I thought oh, that was the so cutest cute. thing ever. Yeah, he had 32 on his back and, yeah, had the had the same hairdo look and everything, so. Hopefully we see him out there hooping someday. I hope so, Houston. yeah, I, I, I hope so. I think we'll see him in the summer league for sure. No, I'm, I'm talking about his brother. Oh, his brother. Yeah, oh, yeah. See, see his little brother at Houston in, I don't know, 10 years. I'd love to see another, yeah, years. another guy wearing 32 with that man bun. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. That'd be awesome. So, yeah, uh, Isaac Haas, or uh, sorry, I'm talking about Harms and his hair. Uh, <laughs> I, th- I think he's capable of playing big. I think he struggled a little bit from what I saw. Uh, I didn't really, again, I didn't see a whole lot of that game, but... The fact that you have another seven-footer, that's a nice luxury that most teams don't have. And I know we're talking about now, too, but just think how big this is going to be for him over his next three years. Oh, yeah. I mean, to get this amount of minutes, he had, he had 29 minutes in that Butler game. He averaged 17 the whole season. So to get this amount of minutes yeah. in a big-time game like that, and he's going to get it probably again uh, on Thursday or Friday whenever they play, um, that, that's huge for a guy, you know. And he, he's a, from what I've seen, I like him a lot as a rim protector. He's a good shot blocker. Yeah, definitely. I think he, I want to say he averaged over two a game this year. Um, So he's a force down there. So I think he could protect the rim for you as long as the rest of the team can chip in with the scoring and makes their shots. I think that, I still think they can, it's not out of reach for them to go to the final four, just string together and a couple more wins. They, They very well could. All right, so if I'm looking at your bracket, I guess okay. The most the most wrong thing here is Arizona. <laughs> yeah. Four, yeah. Which, I mean, I I can understand the thought process. I picked them the last couple of years. I just this year I'm like I I can't do it again. Right. But, and you know I yeah, yeah that was just that I mean I know you got guys alive in that bracket, but. I had no idea who to pick in that South region, honestly. <laughs> yeah, it was tough. I the other one, um, the other one, I'd probably say though, I don't want to call it dumb, but the most 
<laughs> I don't know how to say this, but yeah, Auburn in the yeah. in the Sweet 16, they got killed yesterday. Yeah. And I didn't have them playing Clemson in my bracket. I thought they played New Mexico State. Yeah, I I was I thought of that as a potential upset, but I ultimately went with Clemson. I believe I have Clemson in the Elite Eight too. Wow, that's awesome. But I had NC. I also very wrong. I had NC State beating Kansas. Okay. So you had Kansas going down early too. Yeah. 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 So do you think? What what do you think about Kansas moving forward? So they got Clemson, and then on the other side of the region, there's Syracuse and Duke. You think this is the year that Kansas gets back to the Final Four? I still don't see them getting past Duke. Um, now, granted, Clemson's going to be a tough game too, but I think Duke is the strongest team in this region right now. Um, you know, Kansas does have. They've got they've got guys, you know, they've got guys that can hit the outside shot. Um, Devontae Graham was the Big 12 player of the year this year. Um, but I, I still like Duke the best in this one. Yeah, I'm feeling really good about my Duke pick. And if I'm looking at that Syracuse matchup with Duke. The way I expect it, I think there's going to be a lot of hype on this game. You have two of the most winning. Is this the two most winningest active coaches? I think so. I yeah. believe so. Yeah. So that'll be the hype. I think there'll be a lot of ooh, could Syracuse do this? I think right. this is it's I think Syracuse's nice run is is going to end here. Yeah. I think the way I see it, it's probably gonna be a game where Syracuse is knocking on the door the whole game and mm-hmm. they'll end up losing by say eleven. Yeah. I could see that. Um you know, in their earlier contest this year, Syracuse was they lost by 16, um, and that was Bagley's first game back from that injury. Um, but it will be interesting. I'm interested to see two teams run a two-three zone against each other because Duke has found success in that zone this year, and Syracuse is that's what they're known for. Uh, Jim Beheim has always ran the two-three zone, so I'll be interested to see how that plays out. Um, but yeah, I, I like Duke by I like Duke by double digits. Yeah, me too. As I mentioned, Evan, do you what's the history on these two teams meeting over the course? Of, they play each other twice, I would course. assume, right? They played each other just once this year. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, I don't know all time. I can pull that up. No, real no, quick. no. I just mean this um, season. Yeah, this year. So yeah, Duke won by sixteen. Um, Syracuse only scored sixteen points in the first half that game. Oof, so yeah. <laughs> Uh, and, you know, that, that's that been a problem for them this year. They've only got uh, Frank Howard and Tyus Battle are really their only two guys that, that really can score on a consistent basis. And when Frank Howard fouled out in that Michigan State game, I really thought that Syracuse was going to be at a major disadvantage moving forward. But uh, Michigan State just kept shooting outside threes, and it cost them. Yeah, and I want to bring up something, Evan. I per I know it's not the best basketball move, but personally, as a viewer, I'm not. It's not something I love. How do you feel about when your team is up three, fouling, and not letting them get a three off? Uh oh, to put them on the line. Yeah, putting so yeah, Syracuse so like is up Syracuse, three, and they yeah. kept putting uh, Michigan State at, at the line because so they wouldn't have a be a chance of attempting a three. There's a part of me that's just like the competitive part of me that's just like, all right, just let him shoot the three. Like, right. Yeah. I think there's part of that. Um, but you know, it, it is, 
I mean, it's, smart it's up to every coach. It's, yeah, it's up to every coach. It's smart um, in some respect, and it worked out for them. They got the win. Yeah, um, it could also go wrong, though. It could go wrong, and we've seen it in, in past games um, go wrong. So, But, uh, yeah, you know, as a competitor, I, I like to just see things play out. I like to see, you know, another instance kind of similar is when a team is down a basket and the coach just lets them play out the possession instead of drawing up a play. Um, there's certain things where I do like to just see the game not stopped all the time yeah. um, and just continue moving on. So, but like I said earlier in college basketball, um, a lot of these guys miss free throws. And <laughs> so it's, it's definitely a good strategy um, in some respects. Yeah. It, it depends on the team. The, <laughs> the broadcast was very adamant about, Oh, he's going to foul. And <laughs> it was funny. Cause the color guy went from, he went from, oh, he might foul to he's going to foul. And then right. to he told us that he likes to foul always <laughs> in these situations. And it's like you could have just mentioned the, the yeah. last part first. Instead just of, mentioned that before. Yeah. yeah, instead of trying to make it sound like you're you, you're predicting this. Right. Yeah. So that was uh, I want to say one more talk about one more thing with Michigan State. I saw a lot of headlines and tweets and whatnot. People were saying Michigan State's most talented team ever Ooh. blew it. Do, do we feel that this is the most talented team that they've ever had? I don't know about that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's tough to say. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. I mean, the thing with Michigan State this year, I was high on them all year, but they played in the Big Ten Conference that wasn't, you know, terribly great. And uh, they went 30 and five, but I don't think they're the most talented. They've got NBA guys. Um, Jackson and Bridges will both be lottery picks. I don't, I don't know if they've ever had a year where they've had two guys picked in the lottery. So maybe in that instance, yeah, they are. Um, but I, I can think of better Michigan State teams, even talent wise, in this one. Mateen Cleaves. Yeah, I, I can't remember who else was on that team, but was he on the team when they won the title? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. yeah. And he, he was, he was a beast in college and oh, people he thought he was going to be a stud in the NBA too. Yeah. He was for a little bit too. He was a pretty good player. Yeah. And then, you know, uh, Adrian Payne for a while there. Yeah. Draymond Green. Uh, they, you know, they've had guys before. So, um, but yeah, Bridges and Jackson, I don't, I don't, I should look that up. I don't know if they've ever had a duo go and granted, the draft hasn't happened yet, but I think they're both going to be lottery picks this year. I don't think they've ever had that happen before. I think people are looking at it from the lens of best potential pro players, mm-hmm. but that that's that's not the same thing as no. being most talented. No, and I think a lot of people, you know, I mentioned this on the podcast, I think a lot of people were shocked by Michigan State this year. I don't know if it was them not watching them play this year or what it was but um one thing i noticed watching them this year is when they play a team and i said this on the last yeah <laughs> when they play a team that can control the pace and slow it down and i i'm kicking myself that i didn't mention syracuse but i didn't have them in in my in my rankings when i was looking at that but i mentioned louisville virginia tech some of those teams that can control the pace more um we saw it when wisconsin played them we saw it when northwestern played them earlier in the year and syracuse dominated them with the two three 
Uh, when they played a team that can control a pace, they they fell out of their their game. All right. Well, let's. You were definitely you hit that one on the nail. Let's talk a little bit. Let's talk about Kentucky. I think they're a team that's interesting, Evan. This was something we touched on a little bit on the last podcast. Are they a better team when they're not seated as high? It, it seems like that now. <laughs> uh, you know, it's kind of reminiscent a little bit of that eight seed year yeah. when they uh, beat Wichita State in the second round and and rolled on to the championship game. Um, I think there's a little bit of Coach Cal feeling yeah. like he got snubbed or whatever. Yeah. Um, he's able to get his guys to buy into that. Totally. I, that's how I look. I think Cal really is able to maximize on that. It's my yeah. favorite kind of Calipari to see, maybe a little bit more of as, a, as an underdog. Right. Um, so right now, I would assume that they're the favorites in the South region. But this is a crazy region, and anything could happen, really. I would not be surprised by anything at this point. It really could. Um, you know, one thing about Kentucky is Shea Gilgis Alexander – He's playing some of the best basketball in the whole nation right now. And his I don't know if there's a guy that's his draft stock is increasing more than Shea Gilgis Alexander right now. Um, I don't know if you got to watch him play, but not a lot. He had 27, six and six against Buffalo. I want to say he Ooh. had 20, 26, eight and seven wow. against Davidson. Uh, now, granted, it's Buffalo and Davidson. Hey, those are some pretty good mid-majors. Still, they're good mid-majors. And it's crazy because he came into the year. You know, they had all these freshmen, and he was probably the the third or fourth freshman that everyone was talking about. Um, People were talking about Kevin Knox and uh, P.J. Washington and um, Quade Green. And then all of a sudden, Shea Gilgis-Alexander comes out, steals the point guard role, and he's their best player right now. How many of these guys are you expecting to go to the draft on Kentucky, and how many are you expecting to return? Because... It looks like if, I mean, obviously you could say it's about any team, but if they choose to return, they, I think they could be the favorite going into next year. They could. Um, and they got, they got a few recruits coming next year. Um, I think Knox will go for sure. Gilgis Alexander should go. Um, and I've kind of, I've moved him up my rankings. I think Gilgis Alexander is the best point guard in the nation right now. Um, I, th- I think he'll be the highest point guard drafted this year now granted it's a it's a big dominated draft there's a lot of guys over six foot ten uh, but I like him more than Sexton and Trey Young right now so yeah I got those two um maybe maybe Washington um you know they've got Vanderbilt another guy who's been hurt uh we'll see if if he comes back you know the interesting guy is uh Hamadou I think I'm saying that right Hamadou Diallo um sounds right very athletic player, and he put up 22 in that Buffalo game. I haven't been a huge fan of him just for his decision making. Uh, he seems to, and we'll see it in closer games coming up here. But he seems to kind of lack the smartest decisions when it comes to a, a close situation. Um, but it just in terms of raw athleticism, he's got to be uh, one of the best athletes in in the nation right now on any team. Evan, give me some names of guys that we should be watching for in the Sweet 16 on other teams. Yeah, in the Sweet 16. So, yeah, the guys I mentioned on Kentucky, um, they should all be watched for. Uh, just in that matchup with Kansas State, it, 
and this is a guy, I don't know if he'll play or not, but Dean Wade has sat out the past two games and he's Kansas State's leading scorer. Um, he's a six foot 10 guy that can step out and shoot the three. If he plays, they, he could cause some matchup problems for Knox and some of those big guys on Kentucky. Um, moving around, I, I really like the Martin brothers on, on uh, Nevada. Jordan Caroline's a fun player. Um, in terms of NBA guys, Rui Achimura on Gonzaga. Uh, I was talking a little bit about him on the last podcast. Yeah. You get a chance to watch him play. He's a fun guy. He is awesome. He's yeah, you got to see him. Really? Yeah, I, I watched yeah. the Gonzaga Ohio State, and then I watched Gonzaga and Greensboro. Yeah. And really cool story. I believe he's half Japanese. Yep. Yeah. He's. Yeah. It's he's awesome. crazy. Yeah, and he's coming off the bench. <laughs> which is crazy. Um, I don't know. If, I think he's still coming off the bench. I would think so. Um, but yeah, he's, he's a really fun guy. And I think he's an NBA talent, uh, just, just ready to burst onto the scene. Um, besides him, you know, you got all the Duke guys, Bagley, Carter, uh, Allen, all of them. Um, and then, you know, going up into that top right bracket, uh, I'll be interested to see the Brunson versus Javon Carter matchup. And oh, then also, yeah. Uh, yeah, that would be a fun one. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, in Texas Tech, you know, a lot of people haven't seen them this year, but Keenan Evans is is one of the best point guards uh, collegiately that we've seen in a while. I don't know if he'll go NBA, but um, he's a lot of fun to watch. And they've got a pair of freshmen in Jarrett Culver and Zaire Smith, who are both Zaire Smith. I don't know if you saw his dunk. Um, he caught a three sixty. He caught a alley oop. No, I didn't 360. see it. Oh. Uh, it was crazy. So talk about athleticism. Yeah. Zaire Smith's your guy to watch. Awesome. That's another one off to check out when we get yeah. done. So we look, another one we should we, – we, you brought up Kansas State briefly. Yeah. How cool is it? Bruce Weber back in the Sweet 16. Yeah. I, I saw that you had just tweeted it out too, and I, <laughs> I tweeted it out. It's his first appearance since that 0405 4 5 Illini team. One of your favorites. Yeah, and they haven't gotten back since without him. <laughs> they haven't gotten back since without him. But, yeah, good for Bruce Weber to get back into it. And uh, with Kansas State, they've you know had a, had a solid squad in, in the Big 12 this year. And, um, yeah, they'll come against a, a very good Kentucky team. I'm excited for that matchup. Yeah? Yeah, I am. I think it will be a good one. Um, Kansas State finally starting to learn about some of those guys. Xavier Sneed had a fantastic game. Um, Brown is a, as a great guard. And then yeah, Dean Wade, um, he should be back. I would think he was talking about playing on Sunday against UMBC. Um, he should be back for this game against Kentucky. And, and like I said, he he's been their leading scorer, their go-to guy all season and they've won two games without him. Yeah. So I was it, I had heard some kind of a report. I don't know if this was correct. I could have, uh, this could have been, I could have read it from the wrong source. But wasn't there something with Dean Wade where they weren't going to use him unless they absolutely needed to in those two games? I think there was something about yeah. that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think when they saw UMBC as a matchup, I don't know if they I don't want to say they sat him out because of that. And if, if Virginia had been on the table, they would have played him. But um, yeah, I, I don't know either way. Um, but it worked out for them. They, you know, he's got four more days of rest now, and he should be back on on Thursday. So we also have the Loyola Chicago Nevada matchup that we dreamed of. Yes, 
How far could Loyola really push this thing? <laughs> the sky's the limit. I mean, they could keep going, man. Like, yeah. I don't know. The ceiling is the roof. <laughs> you know, Loyola, they've had, I mean, they've had two buzzer beaters now. Um, I like the way they play. They just, they they don't seem to get phased. They they play with a lot of maturity for an 11 seed. And uh, Clayton Custer has done very well. I like Cameron Crutwig, the big. Yeah. Um, I, this should be another. I, I'm really excited for the Loyola-Nevada game. Yeah, me too. I think could definitely, I, I'm happy they were feeding Crutwig. I think yeah. just keep feeding that guy, especially in, against Tennessee. He had a big size advantage over yeah. there. He's, he's a big boy. <laughs> yeah. So, and then, um, what's his name? Uh, Ingram from Simeon. Big yep. shot. Big so, shot maker. Yep. Yeah. They had, yep. they just have a really well-balanced attack. Yeah. It, spread, spread out scoring. They were talking about this on the game that it seems that if anyone, anyone can pick up the scoring load on that team. And that's what's nice is they've, they've got guys that can score but like you said, anyone can go off on any given night. So and they're not selfish about it either. No, they, they don't care who gets the buckets. They just they just care to to put points up. Yeah. So, so. all right. I guess we we talked about Texas Tech and Purdue. Yep. We talked about I mean we've talked about all these teams pretty much. Is there so we both are still iffy about Kansas. Do you see Clemson pushing this thing and Going to the Final Four. At this point, yeah, I mean they they beat they beat Auburn uh, pretty handedly. I really didn't think they'd do much without Dante Grantham. Um, he's been out for a while now, though, so they've been able to adjust without him. But they could. Um, they're one of those they're, they're one of those sneaky teams that they might be a little underseeded, honestly, as a five. Yeah, they had a, they had a terrific year in the ACC for a while there. I had them kind of as a three seed thinking that they'd be around there. But um, if they're able to get past Kansas and have another game against Duke, uh, that should be a lot of fun. Yeah, another guy I used to love seeing around, David Scara, former Valpo yep. guy. He's yep. uh, been a nice role player for them. Yeah. So enjoy watching him succeed. It's It'll be interesting. If Duke gets past Syracuse, they could potentially play back-to-back ACC teams in their region. Yep. They could. Could that yeah. be a bit of a trap, maybe? It could. Uh, it definitely helps to have played a team before. You yeah. can scout them a little differently and uh, use your own use your own game a little bit as film. Um, I'm sure you want to use the current game, but uh, or the most recent one. But yeah, it could. Uh, these these teams know each other better, and uh, Duke Duke beat Clemson earlier in the season, uh, as well as Syracuse. But it could be a trap. Yeah, so that'll be interesting to watch. I still love my Duke pick. I think out of all these teams remaining, they've looked the strongest. I would them, agree. Yeah. Them and Villanova. Yep, I would agree. Yeah. And and crazy enough, one of those teams are not going to make it to the tournament or to the championship. Yeah. If if all goes right for them, so. Yeah. So then we let's talk about let's go to the. West region. Let's touch on this a little bit. We have the Cinderella in Florida State, and then I guess AM is also Cinderella. I don't really like calling these big conference teams <laughs> Cinderellas. Right. They're not as much fun to me as the Loyola Chicago's or the UMBC's or Nevada's. 
but there's some underdogs here. Man, Michigan is not too far from getting to that Final Four. No, no they aren't. Their their path opened up uh, quite a bit when yeah. Florida State beat Xavier and Texas A&M took care of North Carolina. Yeah, so they got a lot of help. I'm not sure if they're one of the best 16 teams remaining in terms right. of just <laughs> overall talent. But as we touched on it, man, Beeline, that guy, he finds a way to win games. Yeah, and he's got his guys playing at the right time again this year. Um, yeah. You know, surviving advance. I don't know, like you said, I don't know if they're the best. Uh, I don't know if you use the word talent-wise, but yeah, he's got them playing uh, March basketball right now. Yeah, that was huge for them to just get through those two rough games where Wagner struggled in both of them. The whole team pretty much struggled in the first game. But you could, as a coach, you pitch it to them. All right, got it out of our system. We've now everyone has played the same amount of basketball as we have over the last week. So exactly. They're no longer at any kind of disadvantage there. Yep. Everyone's had, you know, everyone's now had four days. They'll all have four days off. Uh, Michigan's no longer at that two-week disadvantage um, or one week, however much it was. So, yeah, there's definitely that to be said for them. But at the same time, I mean, A&M showed a ton of fight against North yeah. Carolina. <laughs> we didn't talk too much about them, but they've got some they got some players. Yeah. Um, I, I love the double, double duo of the big men, Robert Williams and Tyler Davis. Um, Robert Williams is another guy to to keep an eye on in terms of NBA potential. A lot of guys, a lot of scouts like him to go uh, mid to late first round, and he shows it with the athleticism. He back to back games now he's finished against North Carolina and Providence with a windmill dunk. Um, so he he's got some power. Yeah, yeah. I haven't gotten to watch. I mean, I I saw some of that game. I saw a lot of dunks there in the yeah. second half out in yeah. transition. So they look pretty fun. Yeah, and then DJ Hogue, he's a guy that can score on the wing. Um, they got a well-balanced attack. I like them a lot. Yeah, so that'll be interesting to watch. If you if you were to give me a pick right now on that game, Evan, who would you go with? I'd go A&M. <laughs> yeah. I would, yeah. I think, uh, I think they're playing. I don't know if they're back to how they were in December when they were a top-10 team in the nation, but I think they're getting back to that brand of basketball and I think they're going to keep things rolling. I think it's going to be really interesting to watch because these are two teams that seem to be clicking at the right time. Yep. Yeah, just like Houston was. Um, I think we could see another very close game like that Houston-Michigan game. I think, yeah, I could definitely see that. I still like Gonzaga the most out of the teams in this region, which was yeah. I have them in the championship game. and. <laughs> Yeah, talking about Gonzaga though, they've they've kind of skated by two games now where yeah it wasn't looking so pretty in that in that Greensboro game for a while, and then Ohio State uh, nearly came back and won that one. That was a very close game for a while. So um, yeah, I mean it's crazy that Michigan and Gonzaga are the top seeded teams now in this region, and they've had close games both of their games so far. Yeah, well we but we expected. Even though we both you did you have yeah you had Gonzaga here in the yeah, Elite Eight mm-hmm. I did so we both said that if Gonzaga can get through those first couple games we saw Greensboro being problematic 
We also thought South Dakota State was going to be the team that would come out and give them a good challenge. Ohio State put up a good fight, and they should be a pretty – I mean, that was a good year for Chris Holden's for first year yeah. at Ohio State. They're only going to get better from here. Huge year for the program. Absolutely. And so – but, yeah, I, I like Gonzaga still a lot. I think it does definitely help having Xavier and North Carolina out. I like their – they're another team that I just like from a, uh, a team perspective where they can all contribute. Right. And you were talking about underdogs, you know, and they're, they're probably the, – they're the smallest school out of these four remaining, yeah. <laughs> um, even though they're a four seed. So, they, you know, they don't have necessarily that Cinderella feel anymore like they used to. Yeah. Um, just because they've become – they've basically become a powerhouse now. Um, they are a powerhouse. Yeah, <laughs> Mark Few has done an amazing job with them, but but yeah, I, I like them best out of this one. If I could change my pick, I'd go Gonzaga. Okay, all right. Yeah, I'm I'm not going to change any of my picks in any of these regions. <laughs> you still got your final four, so you're set. <laughs> I do, and <laughs> I have a feeling that we're gonna be. It's gonna be Saturday, or it's gonna be Friday. The, the end of Friday. I have a feel like. I have a feeling that two of my teams will be gone <laughs> just by the way that this whole tournament is going. And it seems whenever you get the most confident in your bracket, it all, it all goes into the trash. Right. <laughs> the other thing I want to go back to with my, the whole UMBC thing, and this kind of lines with talking about brackets and whatnot. The other thing I, why I didn't want to say, Hey, I had this pick, I was right, and this was my bold pick, they're going to do this, is I don't want to take credit for what they did. I'm just a guy sitting here with a microphone that's sharing some opinions, and I feel like a lot of times when people make a prediction, they try to say, like, hey, look how smart I am, and it's like you're basically taking credit for what a team did that was the most remarkable feet in the tournament ever so yeah no i liked how you tweeted at, at kj mora too and said you know basically thanks for kind of backing me up a little bit doing <laughs> your job and good luck you know i thought that was i thought that was a cool move and then he he acknowledged it which is yeah, cool that was cool so, yeah maybe he uh maybe he'll become a fan of this podcast and we can get him on sometime <laughs> yeah, that'd, be, that'd be awesome he'd be awesome to talk to <laughs> yeah if any if anyone listens to this and you're an athlete uh, feel free to reach out. Send me a tweet. Send me a direct message. Uh, we definitely would love to interview you. Yeah. And even if you're a D3 guy like Evan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yep. So, all right, Evan, is there anything else you want to touch on with the uh, bracket, the upcoming matchups, anything else? You know, I'm just excited for this next round. Um, like I said, some of these individual matchups like Brunson versus Carter should be a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, how does Purdue overcome Haas against Texas Tech? Um, I really, you know, we were talking about uh, Houston having some outcasts. I like Nevada because their top four scores are all transfers, which is crazy. Yeah. Jordan, Caroline, <laughs> Jordan Caroline played his freshman year at Southern Illinois. Um, the, I mentioned Cody and Caleb Martin, who are both just – taking the tournament by storm right now, transferred from NC State. Uh, and then Kendall Stevens is a Purdue transfer. So their top four guys all transferred in. Um, 
Coach Musselman is doing a fantastic job with them. He's going to be another hot name. There's a lot of hot names coming out of this year's tournament. So uh, Nevada is a fun team. I don't know. There's just so many good matchups in the Sweet 16, so many intriguing storylines. And I don't know if it's necessarily the best teams that we've gotten, but um, I think it's maybe the hottest teams. And it's the, I think it's the Sweet 16 that uh, the nation definitely deserves to see. I agree. I think it... It was, uh, it's actually funny because the first day was pretty slow. I felt right. like, honestly, the first two days. And it was because we get, we had an upset. We had Marshall. We had, we right. had some of Loyola. those. Loyola, but that was a yeah. six. It wasn't like, and every, right. a lot of people were expecting Loyola to do well. Yeah. The thing with Marshall, where I, I didn't quite get behind that upset as much as, in terms of, oh my gosh, that was amazing, was because it was two small schools against each other. Mm -hmm. Even though Wichita State's on the up and they're in the American, it felt like one of those times where the tournament pits a couple of really good small schools against each other to eliminate yeah. each other. So that was, that, was another, that was another great game, too. It was a great game. I thought that they made a bad call with the possession. Uh, yep. out of bounds. Yeah. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, that did kind of that might have changed some things. Um, I think that they, was a huge swing. I think it was. It was almost like the Gonzaga Northwestern game last year, where the yeah. guy blocked the shot through the rim. Yeah. Because um, Wichita Thanks State, for I wanted, that up by yeah. the way. <laughs> hey, you you were ripping on the Tar Heels a little bit. No, I I'm, I was I'm, not ripping. I'm I kidding. let I'm, you do the dirty I'm work. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it it was. It was one of those major swings in momentum, and I want to say Wichita State was making a run at that point. So uh, to have that go Marshall's way, it it felt like it was over almost when that happened. Yeah, and I was I can't believe that they missed it. It looked like it went off Marshall, and then the other thing is, and I don't I, I don't like to say oh we'll just judge by the guys' reactions, but. The way that Marshall reacted looked very timid, like, okay, yeah, that was off me. Whereas right. Wichita State was just like, oh my, oh my gosh, that was not off of me. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> and I, I want to say it was the Michigan State, whoever was calling Michigan State Syracuse mentioned that, that when you see, you know, sometimes the first instinct or first reaction yeah, of the player is instinct. right. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, obviously you don't want to always base the call on what the player says um because they're usually going to point their weight but you can you can tell a lot from if someone is surprised by it or you know oh that was off me um just based off of their reaction and their instinct yeah it's like i think the thing is is when it is off a guy and they know it they might they're going to pause for a second and then all of a sudden they'll start pointing they're not going right. to point right away <laughs> Yeah, the best actors are able to though. So some right. guys are able to, but yeah. But uh, but yeah, I I you know that was a tough call for them. So another one you talked about Nevada, all the transfers, their coach uh, Musselman is that his name. Yep, yeah, that's a great name. Yeah, Eric he was Musselman. on he was on the Rich Eisen show today. It was a good interview. He talked about that. So that's another one. If you're looking for good content to fill yourself with in the time waiting for thursday that's a good interview to listen to yeah and it's it's so cool you know we've talked to a couple of these coaches but you know musselman he was a guy that he coached for the sacramento kings for a little bit um also the golden state warriors yeah. 
now he's with Nevada, you know, so yeah. we've got, got muscle men. Um, we've got Chris Beard with Texas Tech, who was just coaching the, uh, I want to say an ABA team. Um, there, yes, there's an ABA that's still around. Or wow. was around. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, it's not the same one from the seventies, but <laughs> now all of a sudden he's at Texas Tech and just got locked up for another five years. I want to say signed with a big deal for them. Um, I saw Porter and, Moser might be getting an extension yeah, for Loyola. Porter Moser with Loyola, he's done a he's done a great job. Um, Ryan Odom with UMBC. There's been a lot of these coaches, you know, that they don't have big names. They've had a crazy winding road, and they're in the Sweet 16. And I think that's what's so cool about this year's tournament is that it's just it's filled with a lot of coaches who are on maybe their second or third run, or maybe even on their first run, and they're just making a name for themselves. Yeah, and um, it also I was going to say uh, muscle men, and you may think I'm totally wrong on this. You may be able to see it, but when I heard him on the radio, I was trying to tell who's talking, and I thought he was Calipari at first, the way he sounded. <laughs> he does a little bit, yeah. I didn't make that connection, but yeah, I could see that. <laughs> Just the <laughs> way he talks. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely. But yeah, uh, you you bring up how great the Sweet 16 is, and... I'm hoping that it's only going to get better. Oh, I think it will. I think we're in for some terrific games, and I think we're going to see. Um, I think we're going to see some shocking, shocking results. So, if we're look, if we, if you and I are directing one shining moment right now, what are we putting in there? Well, first, I'm making it an eight-minute video instead of just four. <laughs> so, is it just going to squeeze. be? Are we going to like write a couple more verses? <laughs> I say just play it, play the song again. I don't know. <laughs> you gotta have to play it like two and a half times. You might. You almost have to have a first weekend and then um, a second weekend, and who knows? Maybe we'll get more in the third. So week. three shining moments. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's so much. I mean, you touched on it. Our sixth topic today was Michigan versus Houston, and usually that's the first or second topic. Um, after the first weekend, a, a shot like that and a game like that. So uh, I don't know. What would you put first, Jack? Or what are you, what are you focusing on in the one shiny moment clip? All right. Well, I'm just going to look at the bracket right now. You've okay. got to have all, as many game winners in there as possible in upsets. Yep. So Buffalo is in there. you got to have Marshall in there. Especially Marshall, the other thing we didn't even mention, their first time winning a tournament game in – I mean, I don't even know when the last time they won a tournament game. They yeah. got in the tournament 30 years ago. Right. The greatest thing that happened to them since Randy Moss. Probably, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I put in those upsets. Got to have Loyola Chicago. Um, Nevada's definitely in there. You got to have that shot. Obviously, UMBC, if I didn't mention that before. Um, I'm trying to think though of the comical moments from the first weekend like last year there was that moment where the girl ran out and started sweeping the floor in the middle of the oh play. yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah i haven't seen too many uh too many shots of like the band you know or yeah uh i guess or the mascot. benches yeah maybe the benches are doing some crazy things um definitely have a shot of uh florida state's interview in there yeah Muscleman taking off his shirt. I don't know if you saw that. <laughs> Run into the locker room shirtless. I, I don't think I did, but I, <laughs> I mean, hearing the way he talked and 
the post-game interview. That did not surprise me at all. <laughs> that and then, uh, yeah, Dan Tantoni, the head coach of Marshall. He's another guy that we should mention. He was a high school coach for a while and brother yeah, of uh, yeah. uh, Mike Tantoni, yeah. NBA coach. Um, but he was wearing a T-shirt underneath his jacket uh, <laughs> for that for that Marshall and Wichita State game. So um, I love the – this wasn't even in the tournament, but I love the Providence coach who ripped his pants. Yes, Ed Cooley, and he's wearing yeah. a towel around his pant around the bottom. And then, did you see all the students around Providence who are wearing towels around? No, were they really? Oh yeah, they did a little feature on it right before the because Providence had the first game, I believe. And so yeah. before that game, they were showing, look at all these students who were going to class with towels draped around their pants, and professors teaching classes with the towels. It was great. And it awesome. was like they were buying the exact uh, kind of towel it was. So that's so cool. <laughs> I think wow. you'll you'll definitely have to have Houston crying on the court for that line where you have the uh, in the blinking of an eye that yeah. was gone. Yeah, and that could be followed up with Michigan hitting the shot. <laughs> yeah, well or they could do something. Yeah, Michigan could be before that. Who or... else? What what other sad emotional stuff did you see? Zip, maybe uh, Cantor. It felt pretty bad for him. Yeah, Cantor. Um, Which we didn't even mention. He's Ennis Cantor's brother. <laughs> yep, yeah, Ennis Cantor's brother. Um, Rhode Island had a number of seniors that uh, that yeah. game did not go their way against Duke. Um, they'll be back though. They got some guys. That's a that's a story for another day. But Jeff Doughton and Fats Russell are only sophomores. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think other guys that. We saw crying. Um, Ooh, the, there was there was another up. one. I'm trying to remember, it was definitely from the thirty-two. Okay, let me think. It was was it? It was, may have been something yesterday. Hmm. Oh, gosh. Could was, have been Cincinnati, maybe. Yeah, um, yeah, Cincinnati. Cincinnati yeah. was crying. Was Florida crying? Maybe. That was another tough game against Texas Tech. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. There will be plenty of clips. I mean, just from this first weekend, they could fill four minutes if they wanted to. <laughs> and uh, yeah. we haven't even gotten to the <laughs> to the regional championships and then obviously the national championship yet. So, What is your favorite segment of the, of the marathon that is March Madness, Evan? My favorite segment. So you're talking round or... Weekend. Um, it's got to be the first two days. Yeah. Yeah. Thursday, Thursday, Friday. Um, you know, every year I've looked forward to those two days, and it all starts at eleven o'clock, and um, yeah, it goes till eleven o'clock at night. So, obviously, it's fun now being a basketball fan that we get to see, we get to focus more on these games now. Uh, moving forward but I love those first two days how about you yeah I would say just the first the first weekend overall yeah because yeah. I I feel like I find myself when it's the elite eight and I, I start feeling a little sad that the the journey is coming to an end soon right yeah no I I definitely start feeling that after after Sunday like yesterday um yeah. the Sunday of the first weekend because you know every game from there on out is you know there's no more 11 o'clock games. There's no more constant action. Um, so, I mean, there is a little bit in the evening, but um, yeah, I do, I do miss the, the, 
um, constant uh, games going on for those first the first weekend there. So yeah, I agree. I'm with you, and I want to uh, go back to one shining moment. I've always I talk about it a lot. It's that may be my favorite three minutes of the tournament. And you want to know why, Evan? Why is that? Um, well, I'm, I'm sure you could guess, but really the thing I love about it, and I'm going to make a comparison. I'm going to compare it to a TV show. Okay. And I, I'm going to compare it to Survivor specifically, <laughs> which is a show that I've watched since the first season. And I know there, I have friends who listen to this podcast who love Survivor, so they should know what I'm talking about. But Evan, there's a... There's a segment of Survivor that they used to have on the, it was a, they get to the final four and it was very similar to one shining moment. And basically what they did was before they went to the last challenge, they had a torch walk. So all the people who had been voted out, their torches were there and they go walk up to each person's torch and they'd like say goodbye to like, they basically would reminisce about the person and then show the screen would show clips of them doing stuff and then they'd have like a little 20 second voice talking thing reflecting about their time on the show. Hey, can you picture that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, basically though, what I loved, they, they got rid of it recently and some people don't like it, but the thing I love about it was this is a show that isn't just about the last, the, the person that wins. It's about, the entire journey leading up to that and how each person was just as much a part of this story as the person who wins is. So going back to college basketball, I just love how it, it captures that journey and how maybe only one team wins, but the, all these other teams just had a big moment or maybe a bad moment, but they all contributed to making this tournament just a masterpiece. Definitely. And I think regardless of who wins and who loses, um, they're all going to take something from this tournament. Uh, Just the experience of being able to travel with your team and, um, you know, just like we take stuff from the college days. And um, I think this is a moment that stands out for the players and the coaches and um, everyone at those schools that that are participating in this tournament, that they can all take something from this and they all they all create, like you said, a masterpiece in the end. Yeah, and it's just it's awesome to see. Every team is as much a tournament as the team that wins to the 12 seed that loses in the first round by one right. point. Yeah. And that's what makes this tournament the best tournament in sports. I agree. This is, yeah, the best postseason in all of sports. And Evan, that leads me to one last talking point here. We have a few minutes, so I got to bring it up. Okay. Looking back, and there's this always this conversation in college football, should they expand the playoffs and whatnot? And we aren't going to go deep into that. But Evan, like, our college basketball postseason is just—it's way better than college football, right? <laughs> way better. This is the best postseason. There's just, like I said, it's the constant action. It's the madness. Uh, every March, there's someone, there's some upset. And with college football, 
uh, all the teams that are in their playoffs are top programs. So you get good games. You basically skip right to the Final Four, uh, but you eliminate some of the teams that have a shot at making that historic Cinderella run. And, uh, you know, college football, they're, they're getting there with the playoff. They need to add a few more teams, if you were to ask me. But I agree. Um, this one, it's just it's been around for a while. It's been around forever, uh, March Madness, and it's it's cemented itself for the month of March, knowing that you know. I mean, they've taken a whole month and called it their own. So yeah, uh, I think just that alone shows just how impactful this tournament has has become. And March Madness is the greatest form of fantasy sports, I'd say. Which... Yeah, in terms of getting people together and getting a pool. Yeah, because it, it encapsulates all the things we love about fantasy sports being interactive, but it takes away the tedious parts, or the parts that some people find boring with you have to update your team every day and whatnot. You just make your bracket, you sit back, and you watch, and you're able right. to play along. And I think another thing, too, is you get the casual viewer from March Madness. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, everyone. And you don't get that you know, for football. No, I mean... The only other the only other event I can think of that a person would stop what they're doing for in terms of a sports event would be the Super Bowl. Um, I don't think people necessarily always stop for uh, maybe if it's a World Series Game 7 or NBA Finals Game 7, but you've got all those games in the finals before that and in the World Series before that. But the Super Bowl and then obviously March Madness, you know, um, it just takes filling out a bracket and then you can follow along and. People usually know that there's an upset here and there. So I think in terms of just getting the casual fan, uh, March Madness is the only thing other than the Super Bowl that can do that. And I would I would love to see them expand it in college football. I agree. I think part of the problem that you have with it right now is it's a regional championship. Like right. this last year, it was all, I mean, this was all Southeast and Southern teams, Oklahoma, being the only team not in the southeastern area. You had Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, SEC teams then playing in the national championship. Whereas March Madness, you have everyone. You have Montana in there. You have right. Washington. <laughs> you have Washington, D.C. with Maryland. And you have the Northeast, the Southeast, the Midwest, the mountains, the yeah. Southwest, right. Arizona, and the West Coast. And- and even, you know, you know, regionally, it's nice to have those. But even if a team, if someone in their region loses it, um, you know, March Madness can fall back on the Cinderella's that yeah. a lot of people enjoy watching. And I know a lot of people are really liking Loyola, you know, not yeah. only in the Chicagoland area, but elsewhere. Um, you know, I know it's still in the Midwest, but I have friends in Missouri who are, you know, they're latching on to Loyola right now and rooting for them. So Well, it helps when you have the 44th president, uh, President Obama, endorsing them over Twitter. I think. <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. So uh, it, it's just such a fun time and a fun season right now. And uh, yeah, March Madness is just it's just awesome. I love it. Yeah. And I think, again, I'd say I think going back to this college football season, you, the fact that you see it, I, like, I don't blame UCF at all for considering themselves champions because they, the fact that they don't get a chance to play for a championship despite winning their conference champion championship and going undefeated, that's, it's just, it's not right to me. Right. 
Yeah, they're they're the Cinderella team that could have you know made the final four, so to speak. And the final four, it's like I don't know if you can call them a national champion. It's just they're the best of four teams. Right. There's no definitive way to say they are the best team in college football. Now we could say, I mean, it's <laughs> most of the time they are the best team, but there's no definitive way to say you are the national champions like there is right. in every other college sport. Yeah. Every and other it, college sport has a tournament. It is, yeah. You know, it's tough with football because the guys need rest and whatnot. And um, I'm not saying they should throw in 68 teams for college football, yeah. but I think if you go up to eight or 16, you get enough. You know, you get a wide enough group and you can have, you know, UCF and the Boise States of the past and the TCUs of the past and yeah. some of those schools that people could, you know, latch onto as a Cinderella and maybe. Maybe they start filling out brackets for college football. Who knows? And, um, yeah, definitely. I think you, if you had 16 teams, you could definitely have a bracket thing going on with college football that yeah. would be interactive in the way that college basketball is. And I think you could just cut out a couple of early season non-conference games. Yep. Get rid of some of those cupcake matchups. Alabama doesn't have to play Mercer. <laughs> right. And... Yeah, I think that I think that would be great. I'd love that. Yeah, it'd be a lot of fun. So, and then I mean, even D three is able to have a sixty four team football tournament. Yeah. So I mean, it can be done. I I wouldn't. I'm not encouraging that. I think sixteen would be the way to go. But hopefully, they figure that out. Yep. All right. Well, Evan, thank you again so much. This is your third straight appearance on here. That's a new <laughs> record. Hey, thanks so much, Jack. I appreciate coming on here and just talking college hoops, the best time of the year. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for for having me on. Again, you don't, you do not have to thank me, Evan. Um, <laughs> depending on how south stuff goes this weekend, we may have to do another one of these. We could, yeah. <laughs> I've, I've been really uh, just wowed by the amount of support that we've gotten. With we've had over fifty downloads between our first two podcasts. Hey, that's awesome. That's awesome. So if you guys haven't done it so yet, download the Pod, Podbean app for right now before we get on iTunes. And you can listen to us while you run on the treadmill or <laughs> while you watch some sports or whatever. There you go. Yeah, thanks. Thanks to everyone for listening and, uh, yeah, and, and keeping up with us. Uh, once again, Evan, do you want to uh, point people towards your Twitter or your blog? Yeah, sure. So Twitter, uh, I'm sure Jack will post it, but it's Evan underscore on underscore Earth 96. Uh, E-V-A-N, not E-V-E-N. I know some people mess that up sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, I got a blog going. Um, I think it's just emyers116 dot uh, blogspot. Sounds about right. Um, maybe you could drop the link too, Jack, yeah, if that's definitely. all right. I'll put that on um, my blog post. And I'm hoping to have something out before Thursday, just kind of uh, running through the tournament and what to expect out of the teams that are still in it. So uh, be on the lookout for that. All right. Thank you, Evan. And we yeah. will talk to you soon. Yeah. Thank you, Jack. All right. So once again, Evan Myers coming on, bringing the heat, man. He's He's been on fire lately. Great stuff here. Hope you guys enjoyed listening to this podcast on March Madness. I touched on this earlier. 
once again, this is not just a college basketball podcast. We'll be doing a lot more other stuff. I'm really looking forward to some of the other stuff that we'll be doing in the near future. Jordan Morandini is for sure, for sure coming on the podcast. We will have a MLB preview show, and that will be out before opening day, hopefully. That's God willing. Hopefully that will be out before opening day. If not, maybe a couple days after, but we're going to record that sometime before opening day next week. And yeah, it's crazy baseball season already right around the corner. Um, You'll want to tune into that. Jordan has some good intel on the Phillies organization. He's a big Phillies fan. He's well-connected with the organization. He may, I'm curious to hear what he's expecting out of this team this year. They just signed Jake Arrieta um, for all the Cubs fans listening. So it'll be, I'm really curious to hear what he has to say about all of that. And you guys will get to listen to who you, who you think I have in the world series or who I think will be in the world series. My apologies. And who Jordan thinks will be in the world series. And we've been right before I had the, uh, I picked the Royals a few years ago and they won. So I'm no fortune teller. (laughs) I'm definitely jinxing my bracket right now, but hopefully have that out for you. Uh, Hopefully I'll have my sister on sometime. We can talk some of this reality TV stuff. It wasn't able to work out last week. I actually had a trip to the hospital that I was not planning on, but I'm okay right now. Do not worry. It's nothing serious. They told me, they gave me some painkillers and they told me to stop being a little baby. So (laughs) everything's fine here. Um, And I'm loving having this Press on Sports podcast. Thank you all so much for tuning into this. If you want to give suggestions on what you want to hear us talk about or what you think would be interesting, feel free to drop a comment on our Podbean feed, which is pressonsports.podbean.com. Or on my personal blog, which is velvita7.blogspot.com. I know a lot of people are listening to us through there. Uh, Download the Podbean app. Subscribe to our podcast on there. Or just keep, if you haven't already, follow me on Twitter. At Velvita7. That's V-E-L-L-V-I-T-A-7. And I will for certain be keeping you up to date on all the new content that I will be creating. I'm really excited about the direction we've been going with this. It's been a lot of fun and I would love to hear any kind of feedback. So if you think this is the worst thing ever, let me know on Twitter. If you like what we have to say, let me know. Tell me who you have in the final four, how your bracket's holding up. I'd love to interact with people. And yeah, so thanks again. Thank you so much for tuning in and We'll talk to you soon.